Dear Mr. Kerland, you are invited to your 10-year high school reunion. Oh, high school sucked. Oh, thank God. This is post-dated. 2015. <laughs> oh, thank God. I think I'll just watch uh, Romeo and Michelle's high school reunion instead. It's in the basket. Writer's Bagel Basket. If you're lost, you can look and you will find me. Here's a couple of acres. Jack, I want you to draw me like one of your French girls. How'd you die? How old are you? Because you could be 20-something, but you could also be a teenager. We don't have to be mean. Because, remember, no matter where you go, there you are. Hi, welcome to Ridge's Bagel Basket. I'm Scott Kurland, and for the month of April, we are talking about wonderful women who have basically had movies that came out in April. And our first movie is Romeo and Michelle's High School Reunion, which came out in April of 1997. And the crazy thing is, when this came out, I was actually in New York and the premiere was going on. But I want to talk about that with my guest co-host. She was on, you may remember her, from the Riverdale episode and the Sabrina episode and the Scooby Natural episode. And she is also our Tom Cruise expert, Miss Mallory Saverin. Hello. Welcome back. Thank you for having me. So we are talking about one of my, this movie, like, it's not good, but it, it's a guilty pleasure. It's- you know, it's hard to say. I think I've said this in other podcasts. It's certain things, it's hard for me to say whether or not they're good or bad because they're just so enjoyable to watch. Yeah, I mean... I mean, uh, it, it certainly has its problems as a movie, but it's so fun. Well, this was the movie that, they're like, the studios didn't know which of the three leads of Friends was going to be female leads, I should say was going to be the actress. Like oh, the, was that it? That they were trying to... They were like, okay, we're going to choose yeah. the lead for this part from one of the chicks from Friends. Pretty Well, no, not for this movie in general. The studios, each studio took a different actress. Oh, Because gotcha. I think like Warner Brothers had Jennifer Aniston and this year uh, was the object of my affection. Uh, that, that's no the movie idea. where she's in love with Paul Rudd, but he's gay. Oh, yeah. And also, I, I think one. she also did Picture Perfect with Kevin Bacon. Okay. Um, and then, like, Courtney Cox was doing whatever the fuck she did all day. <laughs> no idea. <laughs> that, that's what I say about Courtney Cox. Because they knew that, like, David Schwimmer wasn't the star, like, the movie star. Yeah. And Matt LeBlanc did that movie where a monkey played baseball. What? Did you ever see Ed? It was clearly, no. like, it was clearly a little person in a monkey suit. Yeah. I think I may have heard of it, but I don't know. The 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 male star. So they wanted one of the male leads of Friends and one of the female leads of Friends to have a movie career, and it was Matthew Perry for the guys, mm-hmm. because you have like Fools Rush which, in, which makes sense because Matthew Perry is hilarious. Yeah, you have Fools Rush in the whole nine yards, yeah. three to tango. Yeah. Um, up oh, here comes our engineer Stella. Stella, what are you doing, baby? 
she's just looking at us <laughs> um and then like it, it ended up being jennifer aniston became the movie star yeah but like for a time lisa kudrow was she was an analyze this she was in this that's right. She wasn't analyzed this. I forgot about that. <laughs> I can't have a wedding because you have problems. <laughs> I have problems. <laughs> um, Yeah, so Romeo and Michelle's was like, I think this was her first movie. Really? Yeah. I think mm-hmm. like like first like, Stella, stop smelling people. Our dog is, our dog is smelling Mallory like she has treats all over her. <laughs> like straight up my armpit. Yeah. Um, so... This film came out, as I said before, in the spring of 1997, in April, and I was in New York. And I was in Connecticut. We went on a family trip. Gotcha. For April vacation. Gotcha. And we... <laughs> do you remember how they had like themed restaurants like Planet Hollywood and the Hard Rock Cafe? And Rainforest Cafe and... Yeah. 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 Well, they also had the Fashion Cafe. Shut up. And we went for April vacation for my sister's birthday, and she wanted to go to the Fashion Cafe. And they had all of the clothes that Michelle, that I'm using in quotation marks, Mm -hmm. created there. Oh, neat. That's fun. And they had models, like, walk down the runway, like, at lunchtime, if you came at 12 noon, you could see, like, models walk down the runway wearing... (laughs) Lisa Kudrow's dress. <laughs> That's so 90s. It's not even funny. Yeah. And like that no, like nothing like that could happen today. Right. Like they had different gimmicks because at like Planet Hollywood at like the lunchtime rush or the dinner rush, you could get like see scenes from Schwarzenegger's next movie. Yeah. Like, if, but you have to watch the movie screen in the middle of, of, of the restaurant mm-hmm. and like the hard rock cafe like this guy isn't bon jovi he kind of looks like him but not really because he's 40 and fat uh <laughs> but he's gonna wail out you know uh uh i almost said like a prayer uh living on a prayer yeah like a prayer so this film is fucking crazy I shouldn't like this movie as much as it's, I do. It's pretty bananas. I mean, I know I was, I haven't seen, I think I mentioned this, that I haven't watched this movie since, because uh, I'm now older than Romeo and Michelle are in the the characters are in the right. movie, because obviously the actresses playing them are clearly yeah, well. They're in, supposed to be 28, deep, but deep there's into the no 30s, fucking way that the they're, 30s. yeah. And it's, and, but I don't think I've seen this movie since bef- well long before um i was their age so i just remember watching this and you know you always knew how ridiculous it was but it was cracking me up in the beginning i said this i was like i i now that i'm older i identify so much with what there's with some of the stuff that they're saying in the beginning i don't even remember but it was just cracking me up did you go to your 10-year reunion i absolutely did not neither did i, I. had no interest in going to my reunion so i don't know if people who i went to high school with um listen to this podcast that aren't my friends Mm -hmm. (laughs) but my high school years were living hell Mm -hmm. and i got the invitation back as i said before though i was making a joke it was 2015 you you got like an invitation yeah like a legit invitation it was an email 
Okay. It was an email and a Facebook. I alert. was added to a Facebook group. They tried to do that by a by a friend of a or like by some Facebook friend. I don't remember who added me to it, and I remember just laughing. And I'm like, I'm not going to that. I have no reason to go. Well, like they don't they don't even they held it in in the New England Aquarium. Yeah. First our, off, our, why would you do that? Like, like what are we gonna do? I don't it's know. like. Oh, well, yeah. That's like a very strange place. Where is it for a large group of you to hang out and chat and catch up? Which isn't that the Well, point? we're going to set up the buffet right by the killer whales. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's so weird. Ours was, ours was, I guess, in, um, ours was in some hall somewhere in Connecticut because it was, it was close to, you know, where we went to school, obviously. Um, was it New Haven? No, I grew up in Milford okay um so i think it was welcome back to connecticut geography talk yeah right um and i remember so i still uh speak to on a regular basis i still speak to two people in high school who i'm very very close to and uh one of them i knew uh she and i had chatted about it and we had actually lost touch for a while and then we got back to and then we started talking again and uh the first time we had seen each other in years we were talking about the reunion um and she had said that she went and it was just and i know for me <laughs> i had no interest in going because it, i didn't there wasn't anyone going that i would have loved to see because if there's anyone that i want to talk to i'll talk to them anyways it's sort of my like i have no i don't need to go and catch up with people because and also the people i knew that were going i didn't necessarily like towards the end of high school and i don't know if they're listening to this either but spoiler <laughs> you weren't all very nice to me well, you, you just don't have to post this anywhere oh i will i don't i honestly don't care well like so <laughs> so I, i've talked about this on the podcast like after i graduated high school i found out that i was popular by proxy hmm. like i always thought that i was a freak like well, i mean you are but i am but I, like <laughs> like i i always thought i was a freak and i was like proud of it i was yeah. like yeah i'm weird and yeah and it turns out you weren't considered a freak by everybody else yeah they're like oh we thought that you didn't want to come to parties so that's why we didn't invite you so they thought you were stuck up they thought that i'd rather stay in a movie theater and watch like drive to boston to go see art movies which is true yeah but like i, I remember you telling me this yeah but but then i was like oh well i would have gone to parties yeah <laughs> so so then yeah from there my my college years were great because that's what i was with i was with people yeah who were exactly like me but in high school there were people who made my life kind of hell yeah but it wasn't the typical people you would think yeah because the irony was it was the kids who were like the jocks and the athletic ones who kind of protected me. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. <laughs> and it was like the really like like nerdy kids, like the kids who read the New Yorker and, yeah. and quote Descartes. They were the ones, the who, ones who thought that they were hot shit. Yeah. So so that's why like when talking about Romeo and Michelle, I remember like messaging you. I was like in April. This was all the way back in like. October. It's like I was thinking of doing Romeo and Michelle's high school reunion. Do you want to do it? And you're like, yes. This is such a fun movie. Yeah. My yeah, I will say this about my reunion and people is that I knew that if there were a, I knew that the couple of people that I may have um enjoyed seeing would be <laughs> I'm being licked by a dog. Very sweet dog. <laughs> Stella. Stella. Lie down. 
down, sit, sit. Good girl. That is some Mr. Miyagi shit right there. Impressive, right? Yeah. I've trained her good. She doesn't do that in front of Haley. So like Haley doesn't. Stella, Stella. Do you want to explain what I just did? I don't. You just full on used the force on Stella. And it was impressive. Just full on got her attention with your hand and just guided her exactly to where you wanted her. It was seriously some Obi-Wan shit just then. It was very impressive. It was very, these are, n- these are not the toys you're looking for. Maybe I should keep this in. <laughs> <laughs> it was very impressive. I'm yeah. very, I'm very impressed with your, with your dog skills. I don't remember where we were. <laughs> uh, I was going to say that my, my point was that I'm, I'm friends with the people I'm friends with. And if I'm friends with you, I'm friends with you. And the people at the, you know, a reunion, going to a reunion just seemed kind of, far-fetched it just seemed pointless to me like i didn't you know what i mean it's like it would be one thing if i was friends with a ton of people that were going and it would be like a great big party with all these people that i still talk to which i think it probably was more of that for the people that who were for the people who were going but for me it really wasn't because i still keep in touch with the people that i do in high school it's the same thing the same reason why i don't go to my camp reunions and it's because i whoa 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 why the hell would you go to a camp reunion Okay, I went to the same summer camp for 11 years, and every year they have, uh, every year it, there's a reunion. And is this the I've Ezra Miller to- camp? Yes. The camp that Ezra... Yes, this is the that, same camp that Ezra Miller went that to. That the writer of the, the new Flash movie. Yes, I saw that uh, in the news today. Yeah. Um, so, yes, yeah, so um, I went to reunion a couple of times, and it's fun to see a bunch of these people, you know, year after year, whatever, Um because you see them in the middle of the year after the summer, which that's really fun because you wouldn't necessarily see them. But, you know, at a certain point, it's like, I don't have any reason to go. I keep in touch with the people I keep in touch with and that's it. Um, so it, it also cracked me up, too, is that they're going to their high school reunion in this movie, right? Mm-hmm. They're going to their reunion, but they they're, they're excited they're, about they're it. They're excited about it, except there's literally no one there that, I mean, Romy is hoping to hook up with a guy she hasn't spoken to in 10 years, basically. Billy Christensen. Like it. Like it's can we talk so, about can we talk about Mira Sorvino's voice in this movie? How it's like really deep. And okay, so like, oh my god, she she based it after Will Ferrell as Janet Reno. That's, that's hilarious. Yeah. Okay, so this is what we do. You do it so much better than I do. I love Mira Sorvino. Like, to th- you have to think about it this way. This was the movie she made right after she won the Oscar for Mighty Aphrodite. I haven't seen that. You probably wouldn't. It's a Woody Allen movie. No. Yeah. Because <laughs> he's a monster. Mm-hmm. Um, but she like just won the Oscar. And her character in that movie kind of talks like this, you know? like Yeah. So like she does voices for being a great actress. Like, but <laughs> Yeah. Well, it's what you. I think if you didn't know that she was an award-winning actress, you would look at this movie and you wouldn't. Though, she, I mean, she is. I think everybody in this movie is fantastic for what they are. I mean, you have to take it with a grain of salt cause because it's not as, like well, people said the same thing about like Brie Larson before she um, before she won the Oscar. You got to look at the movies she was making. She was making like Twenty One Jump Street mm-hmm. and. Um, uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the world and then she does like room yeah. and short, short term 12 and then like then she follows it up by doing like Captain Marvel so 
this is like her Captain Marvel. This is Mira Sorvino's Captain Marvel. Yeah. So, um, I think it's one of those things too, is that really, cause I think about that sometimes of when I'm watching an actor or an actress, um, in a movie and maybe it's, a, it's a movie like this or it's a comedy or something. And I know that they've done other stuff. And I think, uh, I forget, I think other people forget too, is that it takes a lot of skill to do comedy well and to make it delightful as it is here. Yes, yeah, so- it is. It's it. They're all like, you know, even though they're all playing cartoon characters, it's still very at times relatable and funny and cute. And so I guess Romeo and Michelle started out as characters like not Second City or like like Upright Citizen Brigade like sketch characters, but they were like in plays. They were like um, the Nancy Drewish kind of like recurring characters. Mm-hmm these two lovable dimwits and the play was called the ladies room uh the the movie uh is written by the playwright robin uh robin schiff who um she wrote the tv show almost perfect the movie lover boy and oh well i was gonna say romy and michelle in the beginning I was going to say that, was that that the one that supposedly was with Katherine Heigl. It is. I shouldn't say supposedly the movie's is. out, right? I've never seen, I didn't know that there was a prequel made. Um, so that one she wrote and directed. I was like, Oh, well she probably had nothing to do with it. So you can't blame her. And then you find out she wrote it. She directed it. It was like, yeah, Ugh. yeah, that was an ABC family movie. Yeah. Yeah. This movie is like a hard R and it's directed by uh, Dan Merkin, who, if you don't know who he is, he wrote for The Simpsons, and he was a showrunner, and he wrote uh, Deep Space Homer. None of that means anything The one where Homer goes to space. Yeah, that means nothing to me. But he also made the movie Heartbreakers, which is a film I love. That's the one with Jennifer Love Hewitt and Jamie Lee Curtis. It's basically uh, Sigourney Weaver. That's what I meant. Yeah, I, I was picturing her face, but I said the wrong name. Yeah, uh, I was I was joking with my sister when we saw Captain Marvel um, that Sigourney Weaver, Annette Bening, Jamie Lee Curtis—they're all like interchangeable. Yeah. I because th- they're all around the same age, they play the same roles. They um, play similar roles. Yeah, Merkin. Um, he actually know he's a really good director for like these female lead oriented movies Mm -hmm. and this one as i said before it's not the best movie like this isn't like like et or like schindler's list or like this is not an award-winning film this is dumb fun this came out the same weekend as liar liar yeah but it's also aside from it being dumb fun i mean i think that there are some really solid moments in it you know because i mean it is the 90s or whatever so you can make the argument you know, that a lot of the tropes are ancient or whatever, like the view of women or whatever. But, you know, what I what I like about this movie is that you've got two female leads who stand up for themselves. And, you know, I was thinking in the beginning, too, is how much how close they are as friends and how much they love each other yeah. and how they're just it's like a really, really tight, lovely, beautiful friendship. Well, this is a very female powered movie. Yeah. Like, like they go into the tropes of like, you know, they're not rich. They're kind of poor. But, oh, but they're. I feel like 
you know, for them, for one of them not having a job, the other one working as a, uh, a cashier. She, she works and for they, Jaguar, so. Still. And they're living in that apartment in LA. Well, Venice Beach, like. Okay, I don't know. I guess it's the 90s, it's different, but. Um, and <laughs> what's weird about this movie is how it's kind of ahead of its time, but at the same time, there are so many like jokes and so many things that don't hold up. Like the homophobia in the movie. Yeah. The whole um Where was there homophobia? Uh when Mira Sorvino says Sometimes I wish I were a lesbian. Do you wanna try and have sex sometimes to see if we are? <laughs> what? Yeah, right, Michelle. Just the thought of having sex with another woman creeps me out. But if we're not married by the time we're 30, ask me again. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But not just that. Like when they're like, oh, in the theater guild are the are the drama club. Why didn't, why wasn't that guy into me? He used to flirt with me all the time and then just Whereas YMCA just, well, starts just playing. Kind of, yeah, that's just kind of like a, you're an idiot. Right. Um, but also, well, granted, it's the 80s. So they wouldn't have been, they, you know. Yeah. Yeah. In the 90s, you know, the. In the, or I should say, you know, late 80s. Yeah, a couple of gay guys in high school may not have been something that they were so public about or accepting or whatever. But yeah, no, it doesn't hold up well. And I mean, it makes sense for the time, but no, it doesn't hold up well. Yeah, the only reason why I actually picked this movie is because I wanted to do another Alan Cumming movie. We, yeah. did, we did Josie and the Pussycats. Josie and the Pussycats. I knew you were going to do that. But he is so good god damn delightful i just i mean he's so charming what did i say when he came in after you know after it's the 10 years and he's coming i was like look at that swagger look at that swagger. which one the one where he's james spader or the one where he's handsome alan Both coming of them. okay so alan I, comment, coming, I commented when it was him when it was his real character the non-plastic surgery one yeah walking in but no either of, way of, of the two of them that one is better than the dreamy one yeah so so they make him look like three different people. The nerdy one is kind of Pee Wee Herman. Yeah. The the dreamy, handsome plastic surgery one sounds and looks like 1987 James Spader, which makes sense. Like, because I was trying to figure out why the hell does he look and sound like James Spader? It's and, because who would uh, Michelle be dreaming about? Who? Because she graduated high school in 1987. Right. Of course, it was James Spader. Yeah. Because you have like less than zero, pretty in pink. Yep. Mannequin. Like he had th- this weird combo of James Spader and like Andrew McCarthy. Like he had the face of James Spader, but the hair of Andrew McCarthy. Hmm. And um, the one detail that I really appreciated when we, uh, not just the makeup for him, because w- we were pointing out like the makeup is really good. It is actually really pretty on point. I was quite impressed. Haley thought it looked like a, like he looked like a, mannequin or something but i thought it was actually really well done well she was saying like how scary like because it looked like real plastic oh, surgery oh 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 oh, oh God, like yeah. she was saying how on point but like the little details of when he's an older man even though his plastic surgery goes away and he looks like alan cumming again as an old man yeah no all of the but they old- kept the detail of his eyes still being blue oh i didn't even know still that. being dyed blue yeah because I, I guess that's the thing that you can do when you change your hair color and your skin. You can dye the pigment of your eye. Like Maybe he's still wearing those contacts 70 <laughs> years later. Yeah. Well, then at that point, though, I mean, it's it's 
what year would that be? 70 years after 97? I can't do that math. That would be... Would that be 2067? 2067. So maybe by 2067, you'll be able to change the color of your eyeballs. (sighs) I mean, you could technically do that now. You can change the whites of your eye and give yourself an eye tattoo and technically do that. Oh, God. Who would do that? Insane people. No judgment, but you're crazy. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah. but uh, maybe by 2067, you can change your eye color. Just like, well, they also predicted some pretty impressive FaceTime foreshadowing. That this is true. Which I was quite impressed about. I was thinking, I was like, they're full on FaceTiming. Yeah, they're predicting it for the future. It's 97. And it's like, they're FaceTiming. She, she's on her deathbed. Romy. Oh, dear. Billy, honey, tell your mommy. That Michelle Weinberger Frank is on the phone and would very much like to speak with her. No. Not until you admit that I'm the Mary and you're the Rhoda. I'm the Mary! They're totally FaceTiming. So if you're not familiar with the plot of Romeo and Michelle's high school reunion, like that's a full title. Like you have to take a deep breath. Yeah, you can't. No, you have to say the whole thing. Romeo and Michelle's high school reunion. Like if you're not familiar with it, the two lead characters are Romeo White, played by Mara Sorvino, and Michelle Weinberger, which I love the detail that they make her uh, uh, Jewish. Like, like. Which the only and the only Jewish thing you get from her is when they do the Mary Rhoda that they write and that they refer to her at one point as Jewish and her name. Other than that, nothing. Um, but I I just love how the entire movie is about these two girls who they're losers, but they don't know they're losers. They're losers in the way of like Bill and Ted or Wayne and yeah. Garth. Like they're yeah, they're the audience is being told that they're losers, but they themselves enjoy their lives yeah they have a good life they're happy they're doing what they want yeah and just living their life and doing their own thing and then they find out that their 10-year reunion's coming up and then that's Romy yeah Romy's the one who starts you know they start reflecting on their last 10 years and Romy's the one who's like um we don't look as impressive as I thought we did right so then they decide to invent post-its and make up this lie. <laughs> and then there's this elaborate dream sequence. Yeah. Which takes up a lot. That dream sequence took up so much more of the movie than I thought it did. And it I'm makes me so like, happy. It's still going. <laughs> I forgot it was this long. Well, okay. So one thing I noticed with this movie, this movie felt like a David Wayne movie. The guy who did Wet Hot American Summer. Mm-hmm. Um, the the 10, uh, they came together. Like, this felt like a David Wayne movie. Like, it had that absurdity, those weird beats and elements mm-hmm. to it. However, the only reason why I'm saying this is because of the cast that's in it is usually in David Wayne movies. You have Janine Garofalo, Justin Thoreau. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Who doesn't age. Neither of them age, which we've discussed. It's so weird. Like... 
I realized watching this movie that da- uh, Justin Thoreau is best friends with Paul Rudd, and they also are friends with Adam Scott, yeah. who doesn't age. Like, they're friends with all of these people. Yeah, they've all sold their soul for, like, an anti-aging I, Yeah, I think, I think we came across, thinking about this, a cult of handsome male and female actors, actresses, who have a cult, like, they're clearly... Yeah, they sacrificed a virgin or sold their soul to the devil or something. And if that is true and, like, this transmission gets, like, like interrupted and we either have the choice of joining them or die, I'd join them. Yeah. Yeah. Also, we want to be famous. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, let, let's just get that out of the way. Um, but <laughs> I need a lot of attention. No, I, I just couldn't believe it. Like, Thoreau's character, Clarence, is a cowboy who smokes cigarettes. Like, he's clearly yeah. supposed to be the Marlboro Man. But you don't see his face, like, the entire movie until the very end oh jesus mary and joseph what do you want you were right i was a brain dead redneck asshole (laughs) although i never screwed a sheep or my sister why not couldn't catch him (laughs) guess i deserve that i was a jerk i was so miserable in high school i don't think i spoke more than two words the entire time just couldn't breathe there you know Plus, I have this really bad stutter. And then when you do, you're like, oh, my God, it's Justin Thoreau. And he looks the exact freaking same. It's the same exact face. It's so fucking wild. It's so wild. It's crazy. And then, like, Alan Cumming, the only thing that has aged about Alan Cumming is his hair. Like, it's gray now. Yeah. Um, But, you know. Yeah. I would say between the two, I mean, Janine Garofalo is the one who has aged the least. Yes out of the three of them and what i never realized i did i didn't know that like janine Garofalo was such a tattoo fiend um until i saw this is so random but she did like an interview for ratatouille and like her she has like she a was c- in ratatouille she's she's celine she's the our celeste or the the, the french chef i did had no idea that's, that's janine Garofalo. um but i had no idea she was such like a tattoo aficionado and then watching this again i saw that oh this was the early signs like uh she had a tattoo which they didn't blot out it said gene on it hmm. or janine like it didn't say flat out janine but it said like j uh j-e-a-n oh i like, didn't like, even notice so so i was like that's weird why hmm. didn't they blot that out speaking of things that we didn't uh notice uh, we noticed something new in this movie this time around. Oh my god! Okay, so so when when uh, Lisa Kudrow wakes up from her dream, it's because a a horn is honking, and I always thought that like someone was trying to get like that's a va- what I thought that somebody va- was trying to like move your car, we're trying to get around you or something. But it's actually because two guys and a girl are having a threesome, yeah, and they clearly were hitting the horn while they were banging yeah because when they come out of the car they're all disheveled her her bra is hanging out of the sides yeah one guy's zipping up his fly and the other one is buttoning up his shirt yeah i never noticed that we had to we had we we all looked at each other and we're like uh what no. what was that <laughs> we need to rewind that yeah i had like a ron weasley from goblet of the fire m- moment where i was like no no that's not hermione like <laughs> It can't be. Which I think that's kind of like a a fun attention to detail. That's a merkinism. 
David Merkin. That it's just like a fun thing that it's like they didn't have to put that in, but they like it's just it's something I never noticed that until we were all sitting here and like, oh, all right, I've seen this movie how many times? And this is the first time I'm noticing that. Well, when was the first time you saw this? Oh my gosh, I have no idea. You think I know? I have no idea. I probably saw it um I I doubt I would have seen it in theaters. I saw it on VHS. Uh when would it have been out on VHS? I wouldn't be su- I wouldn't be surprised. I, so you don't just automatically know these things and have all of these facts memorized. I I only know this because a uh, tragedy happened for me. Oh, that's right. So we had a tradition in my family. And you totally told me this too. Yeah, before <laughs> before Thanksgiving, like the day before, two days before Thanksgiving, our tradition was that we would rent movies get pizza because my mom was getting about to have to cook like an entire turkey dinner like so we'd get pizza we'd watch movies that we rented and we got a phone call that my grandmother had died so we watched Robbie and michelle's high school reunion and it like cheered us all up yeah so and then we watched men in black because it's and fucking it, men in black yeah so yeah, we watched that and and like it just cheered us up. Yeah, I would I would. So what year was that then? Ninety seven. Oh, it was ninety seven. Okay. Ninety seven, ninety eight. Yeah. Okay. So okay. Um. So I think I probably would have seen it because you know, and my not that we have a similar tradition, but I don't distinctly watch remember watching it for the first time because you know whenever I saw it for the first time, it wasn't. I had no event that would be burned in my brain like that. But I think I wouldn't be surprised. You know, my family, we did a movie night mm-hmm. uh, where we get a pizza or whatever. And, you know, I remember my dad and I, um, sometimes my sister or whatever, we'd go to Blockbuster and we'd walk around and pull out a movie. So I wouldn't be surprised if if one movie night we grabbed that one and that's when we watched it. Um, either that or I would have seen it at a friend's house yeah. at a sleepover or something. Yeah, we didn't rent this from the Blockbuster video. We rented it from the Superstar video, which was like the knockoff blockbuster. I mean, I don't, it, I would, there was, yeah, we had a knockoff blockbuster that was by us that was like a local place. Yeah. Uh, so there was the blockbuster and the local place that like was a little creepy. Well, well, the reason why we would go to that place is, so where the blockbuster was, the only pizza place was like a Papa Gino's mm. and we didn't want Papa Gino's. Gotcha. The good pizza place was in the same plaza as the, so... And there was only, I remember this, at Blockbuster, there was a wall filled with Romeo and Michelle's at, at Superstar Video was the name of the place. There was two copies and one was out and a woman was about to grab it. And my sister, who is my fucking hero for doing this, looked the lady right in the eye, grabbed it, handed it to me and said, give it to mom. That's hilarious. <laughs> and we and we rented that in, in Men in Black. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, the weird thing is like, oh, also it's not just when I said there was homophobia, cause let me talk about that. That is, they're at the club. They go to the club every night and they synchronize dancing. Like, which is so, which I like, I'm watching this and it, and it legitimately brought me back to being younger with my best friends. It's so, it's so true to life. It re- well, that's what I was saying in the beginning that when I was uh, younger, when I was much younger, when I probably first saw this or when I'd seen it through the years, I, you know, you're watching it and you're watching this story about women who are so much, not so much, 
um, but who are older than you in a different stage of life. So you don't necessarily identify it with it the right. same way. And then I'm watching this and I'm like, I remember doing that kind of stuff. I remember, I remember me and a bunch of kids in middle school when I was like 13 and we all were a Spice Girl and the five of like each one of us was a Spice Girl and the five of us, we had done this whole choreographed dance to stop right now. And we would break that out once we, after we had done that at every school dance, we'd break that out. And I, so it was bringing me back to that kind of stuff of, <laughs> of, of those kind of silly fun things that you do with your friends. And it's just, you're, you don't care what anybody thinks and you're just having a good time. Well, so the line is they're dancing at the clubs, they're synchronized dancing. And, um, it's either Romy or Michelle says, you know, oh, it's Michelle who says, should we sleep with each other? And she goes, ugh, no. The thought of, uh, being naked and, and having sex with another woman creeps me out. And then she pauses and she goes, know what? If we're 30 and we're not married yet, ask me again. But like, yeah, it's the homophobia she has, like, this is 90s insensitivity. Yeah. Like, not now us as a culture, we're much more woke. Yeah. And that leads me into my next problem with the movie is they need to borrow a car to... Yeah. And... To get it, she needs to basically fake having sex. Not with to this. mention the fact that this guy who's been harassing. Oh, her. you mean fake Michael Pena? <laughs> like when when I saw him, I was like, I turned to you, I was like, if this was early two thousands, that would be Michael Pena. Yeah. yeah. Um. I mean, in the beginning, right when he's all over Rumi, I mean, it's it's hey, total harassment where she clearly do- is not interested, and he's she must face this every fucking yeah, day constantly constantly because it's clearly not a surprise to her and watching that now given everything in the last few years is actually uncomfortable to watch and that actually brings up something else at the end too with billy christensen when he's like got her got his finger where he touches her and puts his finger on her the lady chest happy trail. and yeah and starts dragging it down to her cleavage and i'm just cringing and i'm like that is so gross well also um they get into a fight lisa kudrow or romeo and michelle get into a fight lisa kudrow and (laughs) mirror sword (laughs) lisa and mary's (laughs) mirrors um uh mirror sword you know and lisa kudrow get into a fight and i think what escalates that what starts that entire thing is when they when she picks up the car and she Mm -hmm. goes oh i just had to give all the guys hand jobs Oh, okay. Well, you were doing that. Like, yeah. Like, the, I think that's what causes, like, the yeah. problem. Yeah. Like, you know, I, and obviously I can understand Michelle, uh, Romy being upset, being like, do you really think that I would do that? But part of what I love about that moment is that Michelle is just an idiot. No, it's not. No, actually, that's not what I was thinking oh, at okay. all. I actually thought she, doesn't judge that moment and she doesn't judge that she takes it for what it is and she doesn't say anything about it she doesn't call her out on it it's just like okay if that's what you decide like if that's what you had to do to get the car like you know what i mean which is obviously a little you know weird but at the same time i think there there's a part of it obviously there's problems with it but there's there's a part of it that's kind of in a way lovely of just that there's she supports her she supports her unconditionally and i think and then uh Romy meets that with you'd really you know what I mean you'd really think that I would do that or I was kidding and then what uh Romy does is judge Michelle 
right. for not um for thinking <laughs> that that's what she really did so it's like it's just an interesting <coughs> dynamic in that moment i just i just saw it i just weirdly saw it as michelle of just having this completely judgment free zone of like you can say or do anything and it's okay with me i'll never judge you for it whatever you want to do you can do I mean, I'm still. It's, I, I mean, I'm speechless now because I never thought of it in that light. I thought, I always thought it was like you know that's kind of a shitty thing to say. And then now that you point pointed that out, and I'm thinking about it, I'm like, yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> and my mind is blown. Right. It's like a. And I. There were a lot of things in this movie that I never would have thought of, except now because I'm seeing it. I'm an older adult not an older adult I'm you know I'm an adult now I don't think I've seen this movie for over five years it's got to be so you know and I think there's something that happens in your you know late 20s early 30s where you just open where your ideas about judgment and friendship and all of these things change a lot and you know well and do you know what that makes me think of that makes me think of um Bull Durham have you ever seen the movie Bull Durham no Susan Sarandon's character is like people in town think that she's a baseball groupie, Mm -hmm. but she's like this muse to this baseball team. And they're like, oh, well, she just sleeps around, but she's sex positive. Mm -hmm. Like, like she's like, if men can have sex to try and, and, you know, be strong, confident men, I can have sex and be a strong, confident woman. Right. And I think that's that now that you brought that up, now I'm thinking that that Lisa Kudrow, Michelle is like a sex positive woman and she doesn't yeah. think of sex as something taboo or a lady has to act this way. Yep. She's like, if you want, you do what you have to do. If that, yeah, if that's what you would like to do in this situation, then, you know, I support you doing that. I'm not going to say anything about it. That's just love you, support you, you do you. Don't do anything illegal, probably. <laughs> so so then if that's the case, then that means that the reason why they fought was all um, uh, Romy's fault. Oh, it's totally Romy's fault. Well, this whole thing, because Michelle, the entire time, right? And even Michelle, Michelle's the one who points this out to Romy. Uh, I never thought that our time in high school was that bad. I never thought our life was that bad. Michelle, I always had fun. Yeah. Michelle has always enjoyed herself. She didn't care what other people thought. She didn't care. You know, she never judged anybody else, really. She always just wanted to be friends with everybody and, and kind of treated everyone for the most part with, or just not like, you know, with, um, uh, what's his name? Frank. Uh, oh, Sandy. I kept on wanting to say Harvey Frank, which... <laughs> Um, well, the, the weird thing is... I was going is, with Harvey Kinkle. That's why I was well, thinking. Well, the weird thing but, is David Merkin directed this and he worked on The Simpsons. Jonathan Frank, Professor Frank, was the name of the... was uh, one of the characters on The Simpsons. Oh, okay. So, like, every time I think think of that, I'm like, oh, it's Professor Frank. Yeah. Laven! Yeah. Well, my point is, is that... um is the... Oh, my God, I refer to... Uh, Frankel. Frank... Frank... Sandy Frank. Sandy Frank. So Sandy Frank approaches Michelle to want to dance or whatever. And Michelle says she doesn't make a big deal out of it. She just says no. Which In the I flashback. Think, which I think is pretty awesome. Like she doesn't like, and I think. But the joke is like, she just told um, Romy to ask right. Billy to dance because, because no one's going to say no. Right. Nobody's going to say no on prom night. Do you think this is the last night of school and I might never see him again? 
that maybe he would dance with me? I bet he would. I mean, it's senior prom. Nobody's gonna say no to anyone tonight. <laughs> Since this is the last night of school and all, would you care to dance with me once? No. <laughs> and then so, she says no. Right. So what I part of one of the reasons why I like that is because again, in the way the conversation around you know men and women in the way, particularly in the last couple of years, has gone, is that it's it you know she's making this joke about how nobody's going to say no tonight, which you know could have some really uncomfortable connotations and then this guy who she's not interested in asks her to dance and she turns to him and she says frankly without any real kind of uh you know not being mean or anything just says no i'm no that's all she says and she leaves whereas then you have um billy christensen and um uh snotty bitch whose name i don't know christy christy of course christy i don't know um, I'm sorry to all the Christies out there. You're probably lovely people, but this one isn't. Um, uh, Christy, um, who they play this prank on her, where as opposed to, uh, uh, Chris Christopherson, what's his name? Christensen, Billy Christensen. Billy Christensen. I think I need a name chart of the characters. Billy Christy Masters is is the bad girl, and Christy Bill- Masters. Okay. And Billy Christensen. Yeah. So Billy, as opposed to Billy Christensen being like, no, no, thank you. You know, they play this whole prank on her. That's why I like part of me loves Michelle. Michelle's just like, if I don't want to do something, I'm not going to do it. And I'm not going to, you know what I mean? Romy feels this intense pressure to try to fit in with other people. And she tries to put that on Michelle. And Michelle's just like, I just want to be myself and enjoy everything. And you know, I think we were all having a good life and we were happy. And then you pointed out that we weren't. And then I went along with it. And I think that's a big part of why they fought is because it's like you're constant. You're trying to change this into something that we're not. And, you know, you suddenly now think that our life isn't as great as we thought it was. What's your problem? The A squad, they all had amazing names. You had Christy Masters, Cheryl Quick, Kelly Possinger. Kelly Possinger. And my favorite is played by Elaine Hendricks, Lisa Luter. Lisa Luter. And what I actually liked in this movie is in the flashbacks, we'll we'll go we'll get to all of the best moments. But in the flashbacks and even in the real world, Lisa Luter is actually one of the best characters and without saying a lot, she is one of I don't mean without me saying a lot without in the script her saying a lot she is one of the most self-aware self-positive characters yeah when she's she, one of them she has for as little of a part that she has she has a lot of dimension to her i love elaine Hendricks. Yeah. like like if she has a twitter i'll probably tweet at her yeah. how much i love her um in the parent trap i always kind of rooted for her to, <laughs> to get with the dad she's a fun she's a fun character in that movie yeah and she was on this amazing tv show uh that dennis leary had um called sex and drugs and rock and roll <gasps> that's right i loved that show i was so sad that, when it ended. Yeah, i know fantastic she, she is that. amazing in everything yeah and uh, you know, Elaine, if you want to come on to the podcast, we will talk about The Parent Trap or uh, Inspector Gadget 2, whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Lisa Luter is actually 
it's either her or uh, Janine Garofalo as Heather Mooney. They might be my favorite characters. Yeah. Like, because Lisa, when she's in high school, she's like, Do you even get outfits that hideous? They made them in home ec from their own patterns. Actually, I think they're semi-interesting. And then they look at her and instead of saying, I mean, they're ugly, she just goes with it. Like, right. Like she she never contradicts herself and right. she's like, oh, they're stupid. No, she likes them and she's going to like them. Yeah. And then. But wh- she also understands the social structure of high school. And she also understands that maybe at that point she wouldn't do well to have these girls treat her like crap because then she'd be on her own. Right. And she knows that her, cause I think you well, had said this, that she, she knows what she's doing. She's trying to make it through high school. Right. She, once again, she's self-aware. Elaine Hendricks, you're, you're the best. We love you. I love you. <laughs> we all love you. Scott loves you a, a lot. Apparently. I, lo- I, 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 I will. I'll, I will. <laughs> ad- I will admit that 12 year old Scott had the biggest crush on her because Aww. of the parent trap. Yeah. Like, once again, you know what cracks me up? Sorry, uh, is that she's supposed to be 26 in that movie. And I remember watching that movie as a kid. She's 30. <laughs> no, I remember. I remember watching that movie as a kid and thinking that, you know, she was this older woman or whatever. They say that she's 26. But and when you're 11 or 12, she's so old. Yeah. And I remember watching this movie now and I'm thinking she's 20. I'm like, that's what she looked like at 26. I mean, she wasn't I don't she wasn't 26 when she made that movie. Right. I don't know. But, um, um I, you know, but I just remember watching that and thinking back on like she was 26, 26, 26. So I've, nuts. as I've said on the podcast, when I when I had a crush on someone, I never wanted to like date them or hold their hand. I just always wanted them to babysit me. I remember you saying that. Because, yeah. So so like Jenny Which is Lewis, so adorable. Jenny Lewis, um, uh, Alicia Silverstone, um, Elaine Hendricks. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, Elaine Hendricks could be like my aunt. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, but like. Elaine Hendricks in this movie, when I saw this, I was like, oh my God, it's what's her name from The Parent Trap? Like, yeah. like and she's just so good. Um, my favorite scene in the whole movie is not even when she comes to their aid. It's when she wants to be nice to Romy and realize Romy's lying to her. Yeah. But then, then you notice like two scenes later, she's talking to Michelle and she's clearly been talking to Michelle for, for a, a while. very long yeah. time. And like, she's like, oh, I'm just going to stick with you. Yeah. Like, until- Which I think is, is totally fair. Because if you are seeing somebody you haven't seen in 10 years and you have no ill will towards anyone, you're just like, hi, how have you been? What's going on? And someone gives you some, I think I use the equivalent of someone coming up to tell you that you invented the iPhone. Well, and you're like, you know, okay, you're wasting oh. my time. Like, it was great seeing you. And I, and Bye. What was what is great is as opposed to someone rolling their eyes or saying some, saying a rude comment or something, she said, Okay, well, it was very nice talking with you. Nice talking to you, too. Okay, well, it was nice talking to you. And she leaves because it's like she she doesn't stand there to try to call her out on it. She doesn't try to assault her. She's just like, well, she I don't can have- clearly see that 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 I feel like she she gets these two characters. And yeah. She's like, okay, we tortured her throughout high school. Yeah, And I could see that she's desperate to imp- impress all of us, but also we're older. You 
need to grow up out of this. I know I did. And I'm going to move on because I'm not going to put up with this, which is which is really which is this is one of those moments, too, where it's I find it really, really relatable. That's also why I think she talks to Michelle for as long as she does, because she's like trying to find out why they would make up this lie. But then Michelle is clearly not having it like I think Michelle and like Lisa Luter would have been like two characters who got along. They're mm-hmm. they're two very similar characters yeah. um, in the best way possible. Yeah. But they've clearly been talking for a while. And the only reason why the conversation ends is because um, uh, the A girls are making fun of um, Romy. Romy and Michelle books it to her aid. Yeah. And tells tells them off, which is just great. Yeah. When, <laughs> when Romy finally sticks up for herself and and tells christy to like go fuck herself Mm -hmm. Uh, it is the shut up oh shut up well that's the very phoebe way it was well that's the thing all i can think is in the entire movie lisa kudrow is is phoebe michelle is and i think that's why they casted her yeah um because she is very phoebe yeah and that's the type of character you need yeah um I hate to steal from from our friends at the booth, but at the end, I would like to recast this with with if they made this today because there was a rumor they were going to remake this, and mm-hmm. I I think that died. I'm I feel like movies like this shouldn't be remade. No, it shouldn't. If they're just they're. But I would like to see a sequel. I would like to see like sequel be cool. I'd buy a sequel. Like like I would love that like because stores are starting to go away. Yeah. Like their fashion has taken off, but like they lost the store yeah. and they're trying to, you know, create like, like a Warby Parker or like, yeah. like a Birch box or, or some sort of online, but yeah. they don't know how to do it. And Sandy and, and Michelle are estranged. Yeah. That I would love to see. But if, if they made this movie today is what I'm saying, who would they cast? Right. But we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just love Janine. <laughs> Janine Garofalo is so good. Yeah. Because how scared she gets when when Romy recognizes her. Yeah. You don't realize that the whole th- the whole thing is these people have bullies. Yeah. Um the A squad were bullies to Romy and Michelle. Romy and Michelle were unknowingly bullies to Janine Garofalo and they didn't they and- didn't realize that they had treated her so poorly. And Janine Garofalo was a bully to Cameron. Clarence. Clarence. Oh, no, no. Clarence oh, to Wal- Toby. To Toby Walters. Which is so weird. I keep on, every time I say Toby, I think of Toby Ziegler. Like, I can't. Who is the greatest. Yes. But, so, that's why when you kept on saying Toby earlier, you know, Toby. I'm like, who? There is- Toby's not in here, okay? No. He's with Josh and Sam. Or, uh, and CJ. Well, also, who who replaced Sam? What was Josh Molina's character's name? I can't remember. Uh, Will Bailey. Will Bailey. I actually liked Will Bailey. Better. I liked Will Bailey. No, I liked him better than Sam Seaborn. Really? I did. I, but that's I because won't make that distinction. That's because I love Josh Molina because of Sports Night. Gotcha. So, anyways, <laughs> welcome back to Sports Night. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Welcome back to the Sorkin Squad, where yeah, we'll be yeah, talking yeah, yeah. about Aaron Sorkin all the time. Yes, and we could talk about my terrible impression of Bartlett putting on his jacket last night. Well, no. What, okay, so so Mallory... Side what, note. Uh, Haley, Mallory, and I were hanging out because we're super best friends. Yeah, we uh, are. Um, But uh, you were 
talking about some of your favorite quotes and you yeah. did one from the West Wing. But what threw me off is Sorkin recycles his quotes. Yeah. And what you were doing was from the American president. Yeah. So the quote for anyone who cares was just stand there in your wrongness and be wrong and get used to it. And it's in the American president, which I, which I had seen that movie, but I didn't remember that. I'm pretty sure it is. Cause I like just watched yeah. it. So I, so I get up from my chair and I try to do the jacket move. And I'm like the American president. And you're I'm like, like, no, I'm Bartlett. And you're like, what? Oh, <laughs> And I was like, and I was like, no, that that's also in that. And then I pointed out how he recycles his yeah, lines, which I had no idea. But and, anyways, <laughs> well, so, t- so Janine that's Garofalo- the end of the Sorkin yeah. squad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And back to our regular programming. Um, but Janine Garofalo was bullying Toby. Toby Walters. I love how Cameron uh, Cameron Manheim is, is Carmen Manheim. Cameron Manheim. I have no idea. Uh, I love how she's like Toby Walters. <laughs> she's very cute yeah she's very cute and very enthusiastic she's he, another character who just i think that's what i like about some of these characters is that yes they're cartoon characters but i've said this is that a lot of them are just they're so they try to be so once again and kind of that's kind the to david them. wayne yeah. the david wayne isms i remember nice i remember the first time you and i became friends when we hung out like back some, in the day <laughs> i think it was like 2011 like yeah the the first movie we saw was uh david wayne's wonderlust with justin thoreau oh my and god i hated that movie i love that movie anyways <laughs> but but that's how why this is very david wayney like that yeah. type of humor um and uh uh she does that stuff when she's like hey everybody sandy frank is here and he like she takes He's in these, a helicopter but she takes these big breathy like moments hey everybody Sandy Frank is here. Yeah. And he's in a helicopter. Yeah. Like, like that's very David Wayne. Gotcha. Michael Showalter style writing. Yeah. And that was before they were like <laughs> big and famous. Mm-hmm. Um, so like this movie just feels like a sister film to those movies. Yeah. And the fact that most of the cast from those movies are in this. <laughs> yeah. Talk about recycling. <laughs> oh my God. Um, if Paul Rudd showed up in this movie, I would have lost my goddamn mind. <laughs> like, like if Paul Rudd was, was Sandy Frank instead of Alan Cumming, which yeah, but Alan I don't, Cum- Alan Cumming is the only one who could play that. I know because it's so it's just such an Alan Cumming thing to do. Well, I guess. when Haley and I talked about um, Josie and the Pussycats, Josie and the Pussycats, we talked about his uh, beauty care line. Mm-hmm. Do you know what it's called? No. Coming in your and then. Yes. Yeah. So, so if it's I rem- I vaguely remember this because he has a uh, tooth care line. What is it called? What is it called, Scott? What is it called? Yes. <laughs> what do you think it's called? <laughs> Should I say just the whole thing? Yes. Coming in your mouth. Yep. Yeah, that's fan fucking tastic. And then hair, face coming in your hair, coming in your face, etc. Yep. That's fucking awesome. Yeah. That's great. So Alan Cumming is a hair care guru. Oh, I'm getting such visuals now. Now well, the visuals are here. Are you going to buy his hair care line now? Um, you can buy it online. On probably his- not. I've got very specific <laughs> hair care needs. <laughs> well, what about the tooth care? I have sensitive teeth. Does he make sensitive tooth? I believe teeth he does. Okay. Well, well, he does scare skin care. A scare care. He does scare care. Apparently I'm having a stroke. <laughs> <laughs> that's the t-shirt because i say that like every episode apparently i'm having, I'm having a st- st- 
Do you smell toast? <laughs> Anyone else smell burnt toast? Yeah. I smell pennies. <laughs> um, any hoot. Any hoot. Any hoot. Um, but Alan Cumming, like, the way he delivers his lines, I love how he never loses his inflection, even when he's doing James Spader voice. But it's very similar. I was going to... And he's, he's also... He speaks very soft and very... Well, very if you consider having a house in New York... In California. And a boat uh, and 28 maids and a cook. Well, then, yeah. I feel like I'm sounding like Stefan instead. I'm not sounding. <laughs> and, 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 uh, and all the people who'll be there in a club called Hair on Ice. And <laughs> my, my favorite is the hottest club is called Your Mother and I Are Getting a Divorce. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Apparently, my Alan Cumming impression from this movie sounds like Stefan. No, but Alan Anyways. Cumming is so goddamn charming. Even yeah. when he's nerdy, Sandy Frank. He's just charming. He's just like, a charming like, guy. Like when. Um, after Janine Garofalo loses her shit on uh, Toby and she he goes, Heather, how dare you be so insensitive? And, and Janine Garofalo runs away. He just turns to Toby and finishes, answers her question on like doing the state capitals mm-hmm. and goes, Albuquerque? <laughs> like, yeah. Like he's so goddamn delightful. Yeah. And this was... Was this during or before Cabaret? I think it was before. I want to say before as well. But I think this was around the time of Annie when he was... I don't I don't remember. I don't know. Oh, no. I think this was all at once. I think he was doing Cabaret, Romeo and Michelle's, and Annie. Like, mm-hmm. all at once. Mm-hmm. The ABC movie um, of Annie. But when when he... um, I think my favorite comingism in this... Is not even the dancing. It's when, in the dream sequence, he just flies through the the um, the ceiling yeah. of the limo. <laughs> yeah, and he just floats up, um, and she's topless. Which I pointed out to you. I was like, was it in her rider and everything that she needs to have one topless scene? And I then like, I looked what? it up, and like she thought it empowered her because it made her feel, you know, once again. Which- I mean, you do you. It's well, well, that's what we were talking about. Like yeah. this whole sex positive. Yeah. Like Lisa Kudrow always needed to have a, a scene where she wanted to be topless, which is empowering. Sure. And so, so like that's why I love the line. She goes, "I'm sorry. Apparently, I couldn't find my top." Yeah, which <laughs> like, is really it. Which is really kind of funny. She's just like, like no big deal. Like I'm sorry. I just, I apparently I couldn't find my top. I'm like um, whatever. All I could think of is uh, that episode of Friends where she's like, here's my bra. <laughs> you can't do when it. I'm doing trying, a visual. When she's trying to confront uh, Chandler, Chandler about him and uh, Monica peeing together. Peeing together? <laughs> you mean being together? Are you having I a I said stroke? what I said. <laughs> do you smell pennies? I, I know what I said. <laughs> I don't I don't know what I said. What did I say? I said peeing. Peeing Whatever. together. <laughs> um, Again, judgment-free zone, people. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, so getting getting to the flashbacks because I'm saving the dance scene for last. Mm-hmm. The dance scene is spoilers. It's the best part of the movie. Yes, it is. Um, I've I've just rewatched. See, I haven't watched this movie all the way through. I have watched that scene on YouTube many times. Oh yeah, it's the best thing. But anyways, dream sequence. Go the flashbacks. Flashbacks. Go. Um, I love how like it captures the '80s perfectly. It does a really good job. Yeah, like. The hair, the fashion, the style, but I love um, when 
Chrissy comes over and she's like, are you trying out for the musical? It's the music man. And, and, uh, Lisa Kudrow's response of just singing a song from the, the musical. That's what like a normal high school kid would do. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of so funny. She's like, the music man. I love the music man. The Wells Fargo. And there's mm-hmm. ah, coming. <laughs> like, yeah. Yep. Oh my God. I mean, for anyone who's done, I mean, I know I, Hey, you mentioned anything that's mildly related to music and I just start singing it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think we've had evidence of the, the, that well, in this podcast this evening. Because like I grew up, I would go to growing up. I would go to video clubs, video camps and musical theater camp. And like I, jokingly, I said to Haley, I was like, I know a lot about musical theater. And I was like, huh? Isn't that weird? And then I just moved on. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I mean, we watched before we started recording, we watched the documentary now parody of a Sondheim musical. It's like, so funny. Um, so that that high schoolism of just not even being asked and just singing a song from a musical. Mm-hmm. So true to life. And trying to get through your pain when someone is trying to humiliate you to let them know you're not bugging them. Yeah. That right there was high school. Yeah. And then I just love Justin Thoreau throwing the cigarette at Janine Garofalo yeah. like, light your own damn cigarette. Uh, so thinking about the flashback, I remember one of the biggest problems I have with this movie mm-hmm. is the fat shaming, which really bothers me. Um, As a formerly fat kid from middle school to like the first year of high school... I, I fucking hated that because she wasn't fat. No, I mean, first of all, she's like, oh, when I was fat. And then you see her and all she is wearing is some big jacket. Yeah. And it's just like, and you see her later in high school when supposedly she was fat at well, in a, this skinny Madonna thing. Well, and it's she, just like, they, they said that she got, um, she got mono. Oh, okay. I forgot that. But either way, it's like, I think I literally made that comment. I'm like, that's supposed to be fat. And also who, like, really? And then, um, I really did not like, I mean, granted the A team or whoever they are, the, the A squad, the yeah. A squad, um, doing really well on names as we can all tell. Um, Christy Marks, right. Lisa Luter. So, so I Cheryl was not Quick. a fan of the fact that even though the A squad were being total bitches that, uh, Michelle calls them fat for being pregnant. And I, d- like, well, I think that was her revenge for I'm not making excuses. It's awful that she did that. No, I mean, I understand why she's doing because it. Because they used to call. But it's like, I always, I, it drives me crazy in general when people are trying to call out or insult somebody else and they choose their appearance to well, do it. And it's like, attack their character. Well, and I've never talked about this on the podcast. I have body dysmorphia. Um, I'm not ashamed to admit it. I do. I was, I was fat throughout high school um, for the first year or so i was fat throughout middle school people used to make fun of me for that and it caused me to constantly have to eat healthy or then i would fall off the wagon and eat like junk food Mm -hmm. and gain weight again like my my weight's been up my weight's been down my weight's down now (laughs) um i have body dysmorphia and it's it's seeing that like i i relate to romy a lot like of the two characters she's yeah. the one i r- relate to because she's conscious of that as well yeah well i mean they even say even like they're both very thin and fit and we've seen that because they clearly work out a lot um and uh they you know romy's talking about how she really thinks that they should go on a diet 
before the reunion and lose all this weight in two weeks. And and it's just it's that is so true to life. Like no, it is. I'm not saying it's not. No, it's I'm not just, saying it's that one you're... of those things. I think you know, uh, you know, weight. I guess is on my mind as well since we're all sharing. You know, my weight's gone up and down over the years, and I know for a very long time, you know, I struggled a lot with you know an idea of what is supposed to be because I just constantly was having this influx of being told that skinny is best. Yeah, I've been and then and I. So me instead, I rebelled and just would eat anything right. and hate myself for it. Right. Um, and then, you know, when I was trying to lose weight and get healthy or whatever, then it was like, how do I, how do, how do I do this in a way that isn't about people telling me that I need to lose weight? Right. And that took me a long time. And then, you know, I started losing weight for, um, reasons that were unintentional. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, from the side effects, Preach, sister. and then I had people, you know, and so, and it was the point where it was getting a little, you know, uncomfortable and unnerving that I was losing all this weight and I didn't want to. And people are telling me how fabulous I look. And it's like, none of these messages are helpful right none of them none of well, them are helpful the, the, the most unhelpful message and they even tackle it here is when people are like well you shouldn't talk about it like like i know that that i i have friends and and you know family members who are gonna listen to this and they're like why would you say that you have body dysmorphia i'm like because i do yeah. like, like i'm not ashamed to admit yeah. it like and I have the best wife in the world who is so supportive. Mm -hmm. And when I feel that way, she's like, oh, you're perfect. You're amazing. You're wonderful. I'm like, I love you. <laughs> I love you so much. <laughs> um, but like, like, I don't see it as a handicapped. I, right. I, it's just something that I deal with every day. Right. Like, like people who deal with depression. Yep. I deal with this. Yeah. And I'm not ashamed. I'm not embarrassed. It, yeah. It's just who I am. Yeah. And that's why I always have related to Romy. The first time I saw this movie, I was like, uh, I guess, cause I was like in fifth grade, I was 10 years old and I didn't understand the jokes went over my head. Yeah. Then I saw it like eighth grade year into freshman year. And, and then I was like, Oh, this is funny. This is really good. And then when I lost all the weight and mm -hmm. didn't like how I looked, I saw it again and it hit me so hard and was so powerful to me. Yeah. Cuz I really related to Romy. To, yeah. To Romy White. I think I think for me it had sort of cuz I was very 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 thin when I was younger and it was just I was I was just stick thin. And I remember feeling like I was like I needed to lose weight. Um, cuz those were the messages that were being told to me by multiple sources and that's one of the and, bad things about the 90s and early 2000s yeah and so i mean it was from and it wasn't it wasn't from soul media media it was it was coming from other places in my life but it was reinforced by the media right and so i'd see things like that and it would reinforce like yeah she's so thin and she needs to lose weight that means i need to lose weight and so it was messages like that and it took me a really, really long time to try to not think about things like that. And then, you know, recently with my weight loss um, and me not feeling good about the way I lost weight because it wasn't in a healthy way um, and people telling me, I look, it's like, please stop telling me I must be doing something right or I must be doing something good or whatever or I'm still getting all these messages about how skinny. And it's like, it took me so long to get away from equating your size to your value that still even though i know this movie is made in 97 still hearing those messages you know what i mean and that's like it's stuff like that that's just like it just it grinds my gears that's why when she gets over herself when she yeah or as, or as michelle says stop being such a baby yeah yeah, yeah very yeah. phoebe way yeah. 
Um, but I mean, I think I'll, I'll, then I will say this, that the nice thing about it is, like you said, it is very relatable because, you know, while you have Michelle, who's very carefree, she doesn't care about what people think. She's very secure in who she is. Romy's not. And right. I think that's, and that's why I, that's right. why I relate to she Romy is, is because right. I'm very, I can be insecure. Right. I can be confident, but at the same time, that's yeah. why I relate to Romy. Yeah, White, cause because Romy is so confident, but at the same time, she is so insecure. She's insecure about what people think. Because um, she's she was about, yeah. a formerly chubby person. Right, she and she was, was also teased about, she was also treated badly for her size and her, you know, her choices and whatever. Yeah, and that's what I related, like, yeah. because I actually had kids who... Um, I, I remember we were watching that and and when Christy, Christy takes her hamburger and starts eating it, someone did that to me in high school. Just so motherfucking fucked up. Yeah. I they they did that to me. Like like we, we got like a special lunch um because we made like the honor roll a certain amount of times. Mm-hmm. So so we got to have any lunch we wanted brought to us and I ordered a really uh, nice cafeteria. No, no, the the dean, the deans did this. Oh, so so they basically had something delivered to us. It all we had to order from the same place. So I ordered, you know, um, wait, I I forgot what it was. It was like probably like a salad with chicken fingers because I was still self conscious. Mm-hmm. But someone just went up to my salad and they took all the chicken fingers off and they said, "You don't need this." so if everybody could see my face right now yeah and and i was like i will tell you off mic who did it but when i (laughs) tell you i think you know who did it oh my god yes (gasps) because i've talked to you about this person oh my god yes the person the person who bullied me throughout high school um so yes that person did that Mm mm-hmm so, so like I, every time I watched that scene, I was like, "No, Romy, you punch her in the face and you get your fucking hamburger back." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go get it. Yeah. So yeah, um, that's why I love the flashback so much because it it is high school. Yeah. Like it's painful to watch it because it makes you think of your own high school experience. Yeah. I think I you know I think it says different. the man sitting here in a jughead hat. <laughs> That his wife made for him. <laughs> it's a cute, it's a good hat. I love it. It's, I, I tell Haley every day how much I love that it's she made really this. It's a really good hat. Yeah, she I did think, a I think fantastic job. E- even though I was kind of, even though I was kind of like knocking on, um, you know, my high school reunion and the kids who were going to be there. Really, I hear other people talking about their high school experience. And I think I was really lucky because even though we had all the kids, at least this was my experience, right? All the kids who are into these different things. I know. Um, you know, I heard, I've heard from other friends that the kids who did the musical were teased and made fun of by other people. I'm like, I remember everybody in the musical was from all over the school. We had jocks in the musical. We had, you know, we had, um, nerds. We had, uh, you know, class president was in the musical, like all that kind of stuff, you know, the smart kids. So it was, the musical was really a big, I'm not sure melting pot is right, but it was like a big amalgam of all the people in the school. And same thing with, um, you know, I know that there was definitely a lot of teasing and like some not nice things that happened. That Isn't it ha- amazing that Romeo and Michelle could bring this out in us? I know. This is like, <laughs> this is get, this is like a really deep. Th- I didn't this- think that a movie about two ditzy Bill and Ted style, you know, space cadets who have good hearts could 
bring this it, out. Like, really deep. Like we were touching on a lot of serious topics here. Um, uh, uh, I know that, you know, I definitely wasn't always treated well in high school. And I think, you know, um, other kids weren't easy either. Um, I remember when I saw, when I know I did the opposite when I was not being treated well in high school, I then turned around and tried to make sure that I was nice to every other person I could find and tried to make friends with as many people as I could. Cause I hated how those people made me feel. And I'm like, that's just, and I'm like, that's fine. They can be over there in their own little clique and I want nothing to do with them. And I'm going to go make friends with everybody else. Um, and, uh, I, I won't, bore everybody with the whole story of everything but I just remember that aside from stuff like that um for the most part you know there weren't groups of people that were making fun of the other ones or what was really purposefully exclusive of other groups like musical kids weren't mean to band kids who weren't mean to the smart kids who weren't mean to the jocks who weren't you know everybody just kind of got along I think the best way to describe high school is you just existed and you did your best, which is a good metaphor for life. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, that's true. And that's what like the message is when they actually get to the reunion. They're like, we, we just exist. Yeah. Like, and that's maybe what we should do. And when they get their confidence and they fight back. Yeah. And everyone is on their side finally. Yeah. Like it's, it's pretty amazing. It's, and it's really satisfying too. It's it's very satisfying. And I will say, like, with my high school reunion, I was tempted to go back just for that reason. And I, I was thinking about it. I was like, I know for a fact that that person was not going to be there. Mm-hmm. Why would I? But even if they were, even if the person who bullied me throughout high school was there and I said said, said something to them, would it make a difference? Yeah. And the truth is, no. Yeah. They would not change yeah. because if they got that far in life being that way, they're not going to change. Yeah. And all I can do is be the best version of myself. Yeah. And I know that was the thing for me is that I didn't part of me, you know, I didn't feel the need to go to prove. I didn't have anything to prove to anybody. That was a big part of it was that I there's this there's this kind of mythic idea about reunions that we get through movies like this where the idea is that you go to reunions to kind of prove what you've done in your life or to prove how different you are or whatever and I remember I used to think about things like that when I was younger that one day I'm going to go back and I'm going to prove this to this person or that person in this situation and you know I really got to a point where it's like I've got nothing to prove to them and you know I'm you know and speaking with Um, people who were there, you know, it sounds like everybody was really, really nice and people really did get out of their patterns and, and, you know, and that's, that's great. Everybody grew up and that's fine. But it's like, it's one of those where it's like, I don't, I don't feel the need to prove anything to anybody. Like I am who I am. I'm friends with who I'm friends with. I don't feel that like, I don't feel the need to try to bring that up. I don't feel the need to try to ignore it. I don't feel the need to address it, but I also don't feel the need to, you know, it's like, I have no reason to go because we're not friends so are you a heather mooney yeah oh yeah no you're i i always i i always say i always say that i'm crotchety and mean and angry and i hate everybody definitely a romy but it's it's really frustrating at times when i say things i'm like oh crap i am nice (laughs) (laughs) no you're romy uh yeah I think I think I'm a I'm a combination of the two because i i really really try very hard 
at least my view of Michelle, I try very hard to come from a place of no judgment. Unless my pickles thing is a whole other thing. Because um, I will judge you based on your that, pickle choice. Uh, let's not get into that. But <laughs> that's a rabbit hole. I'm that gonna, I mean. I, that's, yeah. Um, but I, you know, I try very hard to come from a, a judgment-free place of I accept you and who you are and I want to <laughs> listen to you and, you know... You know, if you're different from me, I want to learn from you and right. and that kind of a thing. And but yeah, I mean, I think everybody is a Rom- I think everybody in some way is a Romy. True. Yeah. I think everybody has a bit of Romy in them. So do you want to know what I did instead of going to my high school reunion? Like the way that they're like, we have to go. Yeah. Instead of going to my high school reunion. What? I proposed to Haley. Did you really? I didn't I did. know that. I didn't know that. That's what I did instead. That's so nice. Yeah. I didn't know that. Oh my you just God. you just turned into like the the hormone monstrous from <laughs> from Big Mouth. Oh, uh, let's go let's go watch uh, Great British okay. Bake Off. They're so nice to each other. <laughs> no, but like that's what I did instead. I was like, I can either. I have this big smile on my face. It's so nice. Oh my I was God. like, yeah, because it was it was supposed to be like I think it was like November thirteenth or like in that window, um, or it would have been like November fourteenth because it would probably be on a Saturday. But instead, I was like, you know what I'm going to do? The job that I was working at at the time, uh, I told my boss, and he's like, you can have the day off. So what I did is I told Haley that I was working late, and then I took the day off, and I planned this. I turned our our house into a maze. I think I remember some of this. Yeah, and then I proposed to her. And seeing how happy she was and how happy I was, was better than going to a high school reunion. Yeah. Because once again, I had nothing to prove. Yeah, it's just like, and I don't, and I just want to clarify that the whole nothing to prove thing, I don't say that in a mean way. Like I said, I'm sure that they're all lovely people and they have great lives. And, you know, uh, speaking to some people that went, um, they had a nice time and I probably would have too, but it's just like, I just didn't have a reason to go because it's just, you know, I've never talked to any of those people after. And I just have, I just have nothing to say to them. You know, we stopped being friends before high school even ended for a lot of them. And I didn't know anybody else that I'd wanted to see that was going. And it was just, I just had, you know, I, you know, once upon a time, maybe I'd want to show up and be like, Hey, actually all that (laughs) crap that you said, like, no, I am better, blah, blah, blah. And now it's just like, I just don't care. Well, that's where Romy and Michelle differ from us. Yeah. Because they wanted to, well, Michelle just wanted to see people. Yeah. Romy wanted to prove something. Yeah. Well, I think that also speaks to, I mean, I think it speaks to the difference of if, this is more like, yeah, okay, it's in the guise of a 10-year reunion. I see this more of like a, if they hadn't seen, if they all hadn't seen each other in a couple of years, they still feel that feeling of, no, I need to go back and prove to them this, that, and the other thing because I was treated unwell. But when you have, I feel like, I mean, that's just part of growing up when you have enough of that perspective. Right. You think, no, I am more confident and actually I don't really care anymore. It just doesn't matter. Those people don't matter. I'm a, I'm beyond it. I, I learned what I needed to from it and I'm done and I've got no, I have, I have no need to, to, you know, put myself to around those Kelly people Clarkson. Again. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Just a little longer. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, um, so would you like to talk about the best scene? Your favorite scene in the whole movie. That I have watched repeatedly on The YouTube. time after time. Oh, yes. Time so, after time. So I love how he goes, how successful he is. And he he says, but I don't have one thing. I don't have you, Michelle. What does she say? I don't have one thing. What is her response? Uh, Your own country? country? 
<laughs> and and he goes, I don't have you, Michelle. And she's like, you do now. Now, the thing is, some people take it as she just wants to be with him now because he has money. But I don't think so. Which I kind of I kind of alluded to that because it just felt very. I think they could have just done a little bit more to to make it a point that it wasn't about his money because but, it just felt But if felt you know very, Michelle, I don't think it has to do yeah. with him being rich. I think it has to do with him being su- successful and being confident because before yeah. she likes people who radiate confidence. That's right. why she loves Romy. Right. And they only get into and, a fight and, yeah, when, when Romy loses about, her confidence. Yeah, people who like who they are and yeah. Right. So he is confident now. Yeah. She likes him because... Yeah, he's successful, but yeah. he knows who he is now, where right. before he was just awkward and, and kind right. of creepy. And I also, and to that point too, I think there was a moment, right, where he's looking at her and he's basically saying like, I have all these things, but I don't have you. And I think that's kind of, I could see that as a moment of, if you're really thinking about it, and we're really going deep with this movie here. He's a uh, serial killer who just well, there's that. banged and murdered all these women who looked like well, there's Michelle. That. But but I re- but in all seriousness, I saw it as a moment of like, here's this guy who's going up to this girl and saying, you know, I, I, I really have cared about you for a really long time and I still do. And I'd really like you to dance with me. And she's finally like, well, you know, you've had these feelings for so long and you are really being clear about what you want. And yeah, might as well give it a shot. Okay. And I can see that. I can see that the more I think about it, I can see that as being and a very attractive quality to her well because he comes in he's like oozing chemistry yeah like he has that sexual charisma he has so much charisma he finally combs his hair back he's not as pasty and yeah he's got it he's got his head up he's not like he's and i think that's the i don't know if i'm remembering this incorrectly but in you know, before when he talked to her, his shoulders were kind of slouched and his head was kind of down. Right. And um, he wasn't really looking at her. Because he was acting and, creepy. Right. And then and then in this one, he's looking her right in the eyes and saying, I don't... I, I even said, I was like, look at those big eyes. That he's just looking at her. Right. You know? And and then she goes, I would love to if... <laughs> yeah, well, he, well, he asks her to dance. Right. And right. she goes... Only if if Romy can too. Yeah, and, and then he goes, he's like, okay. absolutely, because you and I were talking about it. Totally having a threesome later. Yes, one hundred percent. They're they're now in a relationship. All three of oh, them. Oh yeah, they are a throuple. Yes, for sure. And then the time after time scene, like, I love it, and that's why I wanted uh, time after time to play at the wedding. Mm-hmm. It didn't because it was talking about it like it, it's it's a very uh, it's a great cindy lopper song but it's super obscure mm-hmm. and um because it's not like girls just want to have fun right. or like true colors it it's like the third of those songs mm-hmm. but then the dance scene is just so incredible yeah it's hysterical it's one of and again it just i think it just it emulates the whole movie perfectly of just be who you are and don't give a shit and have a good they dance so and weird. Have a good fucking time while you're doing it. Now, they they leave together. They take off in the helicopter. Yes, I've already talked about one thing that I, I'm I have problems with, which was you know 
buddy. Just from a fan. Yeah. Uh, now I'm just glossing about. I like I like how you before were so confident about saying it. Now you're like. Well, I don't want to just keep I know, reiterating it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But do you know what I'm deathly afraid of? Uh, helicopters. Really? I have the biggest fear of helicopters. I did I'm, not know this. I hate clowns. I didn't know that either. Helicopters. Okay, the three things I'm afraid of are clowns, helicopters, and death. Death, I knew. I'm, def- I'm definitely afraid of death. Yeah. Um, but helicopters terrify me. Hmm. Because growing up, I heard the story of uh, the guy on Twilight Zone movie who got his head chopped off. Hmm. Um, and then, then like just the idea that it's not quite an airplane and it always hits turbulence. And basically... You have something with a propeller on top. That could take your head off. Not just take your head off, but if the slightest breeze just pushes it the right way, you're probably flying into like a tree. Yeah. I I don't have, you know, a, a deep-seated fear of helicopters. However, you will never catch me in one. Oh, ever. No. I will never, ever, ever get in a helicopter unless I'm dead or dying. That's why. That's As in why I'm like being airlifted to a hospital because I'm dying and I better be freaking unconscious. That's why like if, if Jurassic Park was real and they're like, don't you want to go to a place where dinosaurs exist? How do you get there? Helicopter. Nope. nope. Goodbye. Nope. I'm good. See ya. Thanks. Bad idea, by the way, but all right. Peace out. So yeah, like San- Sandy and them are like in this weird thruple. Um <laughs> He gives them the, the store and yeah. like they're successful now and it just ends on such a nice note. Yeah. Like, it could end so cynical. And it's just it's just upbeat and like life goes on and like. Obladi, oblada. Yeah. And they're just and you know what I think is nice is that now it that ends with got them the, folding scarves. Well there's that but they've got so they've got this business now and they're doing something that you know is clearly well suited for them. But it ends as happy as it begins. This is true. The two of the two of them are so happy and they love their life despite, you know, maybe it not being traditionally as successful, certainly not as successful as Romy would like it to appear. I would but love the, but, I would love for it to end with them watching in bed again, uh, pretty woman, but it's a yeah. giant king size bed <laughs> and is all three of them. With with uh with Alan Cumming just in the middle, sprawled out. <laughs> just <laughs> This is the best birthday ever. Yeah. So now that we've come to the end of it, how many bagels? Oh man, because um, it's it's a fun movie. It's not a perfect movie. It does make you feel good about yourself. It does. It does. But um, it has so many pacing issues. Yeah. And the the, the daydream gonna, alone. Yeah, that was so long. Yes. I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it a. I'm gonna give it a nine. Me too. Really? <laughs> That's my is Michelle. It, is that the first time we've ever agreed on bagels? I don't think so. I think we oh. agreed on um, uh, Riverdale and. Did we really? What did I give Riverdale? Like I two? don't remember. Or no, probably like thirteen. I don't know. It was, we gave I, it. We gave it a good score. I thought it was either low or high. I think we both Riverdale. gave it sevens. Yeah, sevens or eight. Okay. But um, yeah. So if they made this today, if they didn't make this now, and I uh, didn't make this in '97, and they made this now, who would be our Romeo and Michelle? Well, you would mention. I think. Um, I'm I'm sticking with with. With Brie Larson. Larson as Romy. Right. And I had said you had mentioned um, Jennifer Lawrence as, or Emma Stone as possibly a Michelle. I think Emma Stone could be a really good uh, Michelle. Well, I thought of someone better for Michelle. Like, oh, who? Um, oh, my God. Uh, um, Do you watch uh, Daredevil? Mm. True Blood? Yes. I know who you're talking about, the redhead. Deborah Ann Whirl? Yeah, I know who she is. 
She, I, I just listened. I could to, see that. I just listened to a podcast with her in it, and she, she would either be like, if they wanted two Oscar-winning actresses, it would be, uh, uh, Brie Larson and Emma Stone. Mm-hmm. But you need to cast her in there. I would probably m- make her Lisa Luter, Deborah Ann Whirl. So, yeah. so I guess my cast would be Emma Stone as Michelle and Brie Larson as Romy, mm-hmm. and then I would make um, Lizzie Kaplan. Janice Ian from Mean Girls. No, I know who she is. Is Jeannie Garofalo? No, no, because that's what you would expect. I'd make her Christy Marks. Oh, and gee, that would be amazing. The person I would make Janine Garofalo, I would actually gender swap the role, and I would make it. I would make it. Um, <clears throat> what's his name? Uh, fuck, because I, I would make his character. I would make that character gay. I was just going to say that. Yeah. And and pine for Sandy. Yeah. I would make it. Uh, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Uh, um, Neil Patrick Harris. Okay. And make him like just like because he can be weird and he can he be can. dark. Yeah. So just like the idea of him being Barney now. Yeah. But then he was he was just like some emo magician. Kid yeah, 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 yeah. Like a David Blaine. <laughs> and Sandy Frank, I would actually have a mini um how i met your mother reunion and i'd, I'd make uh, jason siegel sandy frank there you go and um obviously clarence would be pay- played by justin throw yes <laughs> i'm not changing that at all <laughs> clarence has to be played by justin throw or you could also make sandy frank you can make him paul rudd too but yeah that would be pretty yeah <laughs> or adam scott and any of those ageless yeah. guys yeah any so, of them sorry in the jason siegel i love any I love of them in the jason ageless cult. <laughs> then i would make jason siegel because i would want jason siegel in this there you go i'd make him billy yeah i'd make jason siegel billy yeah 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 and i i would make adam scott sandy frank yeah yep like yeah so uh though please don't make this movie again because I'm just saying if they made it today, not if they... No, I know, I know. I'm just saying... I'm saying it's in a world where this movie never existed. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, I concur. Right, so, so yeah. But if you like stuff like that, uh, our friends uh, Brian Flynn and Kenna Trent have a great podcast called The Boot, and you can uh, download them wherever fine podcasts are sold. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, they, they do that every week and it's a great podcast so yeah mallory thank you for being here thank you for having me scott is there anything that you want to promote or talk about uh twitter uh, instagram any, uh, any place people can find you uh <laughs> no i think i think i have an instagram you do i do i have an i have an instagram people yeah i think it's oopsie daisy yeah it's oopsie daisy o-o-p-z-i-d-a-z-y I post maybe once a month if you're lucky. <laughs> uh, you usually like our stuff. I do. I do like things. <laughs> so, am- so if you want positive, <laughs> if you want someone to positively support you, yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah, that's that's me. I'm a I'm a simple. You gal. should just change it to Cheryl Bombshell. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, you can find us on Instagram at Writers Bagel Basket. You can find us on Twitter at Writer Bagel Basket. No vowels, all vowels, no vowels. So W-R-T-R-B-A-G-E-L-B-S-K-T. Um, and, you know, 
give us a good review on iTunes, five stars. I think we're delightful. I think we deserve it. Yes. So until At least ne- I'm great. <laughs> so <laughs> once again, thank you, Mallory, for being here. And until next time, I'm Scott Kerland. And I'm Mallory Saffron. Bye. <laughs>